Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. And we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book, this time with Ad, this time with, <laughs> with added alcohol and cynicism. <laughs> Charlie has had far too much to drink and I just told her I can't see. So in today's episode, we're reading chapter 35 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, but only the first half because Neil would not shut the fuck up. He really, he, he would not. But here's... The spoiler that you will already know because you guys have read the episode title. Today's episode is with your favourite third host, Neil. And also they'll they'll know that because you just said Neil wouldn't shut up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Neil's in this one. And it's like, Charlie's had too much to drink. So Neil is in this. Also, did you know Neil is in this? (laughs) So have fun with literally the first page of this chapter. Yeah. And join us on this drunken reminiscent Reminiscent journey. journey. Uh, we're recording. Hi. As you can tell by the sounds, it is time for this serial. Seri- what? An- oh my god! What's the word for like annual? But it's for the series. This series is. No. The, oh, I know what you mean. There is a word this, for it. The um uh, inaugural. No, that's first. Mm. That means first. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. The, the um annual. No, but that's yearly. The... But, I mean, it's basically yearly. It's basically yearly, but mm. the um. Every once in a while, there's dried candle wax on my chin. On your chin, you were looking up. I was like, "How's it got on the ceiling?" <laughs> I know, I did the same. It's the... time for the annual Neil McCory episodes. Hi. Here he is. Boo. How's it going? Here he is. I'm back. He's back, baby. Don't expect too much from me. Neil's <laughs> starting to get anxiety over the fact that for book two and book three, he really wanted a specific thing. And for, for, for book four and five, he's just like, I'm going to pick a random chapter. going to pick a bit that I liked. Yep. And yeah. then he but- got very arsy with us about... These so it's not like but I also think he feels a lot of pressure because every time we ask for the listener's favourite episode, they either say Norfolk and Chance or the What About Time Travel, yeah. which are both Neil episodes. Oh god. <laughs> I know. I'm not that You better perform Neil. <laughs> Make you us your performance anxiety. Do it. <laughs> anyway, he's back. Hi. But before we get into it, we have some top of the episode things to do. Yeah. Do we want to do some Patreon thank yous? Yeah. Hell yeah. Charlie, you go first. A kaleidoscope size thank you to Cassidy. A St. Nicholas size thank you to Nicholas. A shagadelic thank you to Charlotte. (laughs) Also, a fuck you to this person, because if I'm guessing off the timings and someone joining the Discord, this is not only a Charlotte, which we know my feelings on anyone called Charlotte joining the Patreon. They're also from London. <laughs> so, like, kind of get get your own thing. Hi, Charlotte. Have be, you thought about getting your being own thing? A Charlotte from London. That's that's my thing. Even though I go by Charlie. And Still even though you thing. weren't born in London. No. <laughs> Read the next patron. A Shania Twain. <laughs> so, I thank you to Shana, I'm guessing. I Please think it's correct. Shana, yeah. Shana, yeah. Correct me if that's incorrect. A Lisa Simpson. So, I thank you to Lisa. A super duper terrific size thank you. <laughs> Neil, to that Samantha. Was shit. That was shit. Okay, <laughs> no, I, let me have another Samantha's one. Samantha's crying <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> How could you do this to Samantha? <laughs> think, think about Samantha. A uh, what the hell is it? A, a Sambuca bottles worth of thank yous. Very to good. Samantha. Yeah. Samantha's somewhere screaming or crying, depending on how she feels about <laughs> <Hopefully> Neil. Both. <laughs> <laughs> screaming, <A>. crying. <laughs> 
A Liza Minnelli size thank you to Liz. They have all joined our Patreon where I would say they get access to bonus episodes. Soon! I will do it soon! Please stop leaving our Patreon. No, I'm joking. Only some people have left. Uh, We (laughs) will post bonus episodes. We're both very There's also a massive back catalogue including Neil telling the worst joke in the world. Yeah, just listen to the back catalogue. Wait, is that not out yet? No, it is. No, it is. That's that's already there. That's already there. We haven't posted new episodes in a while. We do have the behind the scenes of Albania. We will get to the rest of them just stay okay <laughs> but we also have the discord which is the best thing about the yes. whole thing because people have gotten together in romantic relationships through our discord and when i think about that i have a little breakdown in the corner yeah 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 like it makes me yeah, want to yeah. have a little die yeah yeah i'm determined to break them up <gasps> <laughs> Just for banter. I'm determined for them to get married so we can attend the wedding. If we don't officiate that fucking wedding. If they don't invite us. No, we're officiating. I, I think they should invite me and, <laughs> and not either of you. Uh, you and me, Sue. Yeah, exactly. I'll bring the cat on a lead. <laughs> anyway, Charlie, do we have a review? We do. So this review comes from Miller T, who says that this is apparently the fourth question mark review from Finland. Yes. Wow. The best Harry Potter podcast. I can't come up with any praise that hasn't been said already. But if you're still looking for EU passports, hit me up. Hell yeah. We <laughs> might be. I can promise you that unlike in London, Tapwater in Helsinki is 10 out of 10 and thus suitable for tea. Good to know. Because I'm looking for a country to escape England from. Hmm. Also, as a student of social science in the... social sciences i really love your discussions on british politics and society i wouldn't say that they're particularly fair or balanced but i'm glad that you appreciate (laughs) them nonetheless on the bbc for having you know a balanced discussion but thank you to be fair half of the BBC, well most of the bbc shouldn't be let on the bbc BBC we're having a balanced discussion they said and here are 10 people that hate trans people thank you for this podcast you're making our gloomy evening so much better oh thank you miller that's lovely anyway um it's the festive season this is the same day we're recording the christmas special neil is here hi unfortunately and he's come for the saddest chapter no i don't need the next one sadder surely shit goes down well shit yeah shit does go down Uh, neil a few questions for you yes First, why did you pick this chapter? I... Oh, I didn't. I picked the one before. No, it, but no, 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 no. Stole it from Is that me. Oh, my hair just really looks like serious right now? So wow. <laughs> no, this chapter and the chapter before it are both just so insanely creative, and I think it's a crime that they were cut from the films. I'd kind of forgotten True. that these chapters existed until existed? I reread the book a couple of years ago for the first time since it came out, and I was like, "Where was all this?" Where where was it? And the chapter after, actually, the big Dumbledore fight. You know, where was that in that the film? That was no. That is one of the best parts well. of the film. It was done quite well in the film, but it wasn't anywhere near as epic as it is in the book. No. Yeah. Where's yeah. my statues? <laughs> where's my statues? <laughs> um, yeah, that's why I just think these are so insanely creative. There's so much to unpack, mm. and they just went nope. Not going to try and do that. <laughs> yeah. Just like generic yeah. fight scene. They're oh, like, but wait, we'll, we'll have a the big stone climax. bias, but nothing else. A big climax to the film? No, I won't do that. No, thank you. None thank of you that. for writing it for me, Joe. We spent all our special effects on blowing up the building. The next question for Neil What are we drinking today? Um, oh, I'm going to spring a surprise on you now. Oh, no. We're drinking two things. <gasps> oh, I thought we'd postpone this. No, I decided that this has been sat on our shelves for enough time. What that is we should this? Do it. Oh, God. It's in a stone bottle. I've got a little wait, story. Wait, is this a shot? Yeah, because I did just look and think, why are there three shot glasses on the table? Oh my god, I haven't Um, even noticed. This is sneaky. He's sneaky. uh, This is a bottle of corn wine. Oh. Basically, a few years ago, my uncle passed away, and when his house was being cleared out, my parents found 
a really remarkable selection of alcohols, some of which we'd never heard of. This one was completely sealed and in a very mysterious stone bottle. It weighs so much. It's heavy. <laughs> have I... a feel of that. Oh my God, that's yeah. like picking up the cat. <laughs> it really is. This is a litre of corn wine from Amsterdam. Spelled with a Y wow. in the word yeah. wine. And it's a spirit made from corn. And I wanted to drink this for my uncle. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. I've, this was I've gonna, not tried it yet. Years so. ago, like a year ago when, because this book has taken us longer, so much longer than any other mm. book. This was going to be Neil's drink up until a few months ago where he came on a bonus episode or in one of a main episode, we mentioned Eliminator. And so many of our fans who did grow up in the UK and have been to Kelsey's in Leamington, like there was enough of them that demanded that we drink Eliminator on Neil's episode that we had to switch it. But I'm glad we are doing both. Sorry, I spoiled what we're drinking next. <laughs> yeah, fucking bitch. This was the surprise. Everyone knew we were doing Eliminator. We can um, talk about that in But a yeah, minute. this has been sat there for ages. I've been really wanting to try it. Yeah, we it's have. Very... We've literally been waiting until the podcast to try this. I would also just like to say this was sealed when we got it. So don't worry, this hasn't been tainted <laughs> after God knows how many years of sitting in my uncle's house. Oh, God, Oh, my smells... God, this is like up to the line. Yeah, bloody Yeah, sorry, that was meal. really full. I didn't mean yeah. it to be. Right, okay, we're sip. doing a sip first. Oh, God, it's horrible. Oh, my God. Wow. Whoa. It's like halfway between vodka and whiskey. Like it's got some flavour, but I couldn't really tell you what it is. I can tell it's strong. It's It's, already burning. It's burning. Mm. That's what it is. 38 whole percent. And we're we're downing a double shot. Cheers. (laughs) Oh, cheers, Ollie. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. That's the worst thing I've ever. Wow. It's almost a keelery. Yeah, that's that's serious. Oh, it's still... It, it has a... It's like it... That's not quite any spirit. That's so interesting. I thought you were giving us something nice. Wow. So, Neil, oh. pour us the main drink and talk us through it. So, the main drink... I mean, I feel like if I pour it and talk at the same time, there's going to be disasters. So no, I will do it. it. This next I'll drink, as you mentioned, is called Eliminator. Um, this was the... Explain it for our non-Lemington people. Yes, exactly. This is very niche. Uh, small small percentage of our audience that aren't from Lemington. Oh, no, I've spilt it on the table. Excellent work. <laughs> It's going to burn through. <laughs> uh, yeah, it probably is, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is the signature drink of one particular bar in Lemington Spa in the UK. Lemington Spa Kelsey's. makes you sound like a posho. It does make me sound like a posho, but I assure you Kelsey's was not a posh bar. <laughs> but you did go to a posh UD, though. I did, I did. Kelsey's was this proper dive bar, originally a sports bar, now rebranded to just a bar because they realised no one was watching sports in there at 3pm. <laughs> Every student would go there, either before a night out, instead of a night out, just in general. After a night out. After, yeah, after a night out. I definitely went there after things before. And they serve this in a four-point picture. Now, we have taken a picture of this, haven't we? A picture or a video of this? No. Because it is... Well, there are videos on our stories. I but... cannot explain how green this is. It is, like, remarkable. It looks like if you pulverise Shrek. Mm. The thing with Eliminator is it's one of those drinks where if you go to Warwick, someone will mention it to you and you'll go, what's that? And then you'll see it and go, that cannot be nice. And then you'll drink ten pints of it. And so then you'll wake up. So you used to drink this regularly in Kelsey's. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you went to Kelsey's, you... <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> if you went to Kelsey's, you got a four-pint pitch of Eliminator, which when I started at Warwick was, I think, a tenner. I think it's more like £12, £13 now. And Inflation. A four, a, a it four does... pint pitcher? Yeah. For a 12 quid? Yeah. 
Good it, lord, tell us what is in this. It does so, look like someone has neutrabilited Kermit. It, it's it's a terrible colour. So in this is, I, I went via the Urban Dictionary definition, because, because there is one. Of course there is. Wow. And I also consulted a couple of friends just to double check what spirits yeah. we thought were in it. There is a quad of vodka. There is a one and a half of rum. One and a half of tequila. Oh, that was not much of those other two spirits. A one and a half of blue curacao. About a pint of Lambrini. Which um, I found out today is pear cider, not wine. <laughs> I thought it was just really cheap, cheap, cheap wine. It actually says on the bottle, sparkling pear cider, by the way. No one ever knew. No. But Kelsey's... <laughs> How Kel- could we know? <laughs> Nobody's no going to know. No one read the bottle. <laughs> um, but Kelsey's couldn't even afford Lambrini. They did it on the absolute cheapest. So it was called Lambrusca. No, Neil, they could afford it. They didn't want to. Oh, well, I'm to. sure they could. But I do like to. that Hannah told me Lambretta. I'm like, that's a motorbike. <laughs> No, I mean, to be fair, I think I've jokingly called it Lambretta before as yeah. well. It's just some nonsense <laughs> yeah, yeah, off-brand. Yeah. And then a can of the cheapest energy drink you can find, which for us was Red Bull, so we are actually done all right. Yeah. And then topped up with orange juice. I cannot believe one and a half of Blue Curacao in that whole jug yeah. has turned... So the orange hits the Blue Curacao and turns it neon green. And mm. I cannot it's... believe one and a half of Blue Curacao you know, is enough to turn it green. When mm. you would watch any kid's show like Dick and Dom... And in the bungalow. They would, they would like slime someone. Mm. This is mm. slime. This is the colour of that slime. Neil has drunk this many times before. Many. As I dated him in his fourth year of university, my mm-hmm. third. No, and my third year, your, your third year. Yeah. Neil did four years at university. Yes, I did. I've drunk this a few times. Charlie has never drunk this. Nope. I will say it tastes like the stereotypical thing that you were drinking. Oh, you've uni. tasted it already? No, it smells like. Sorry. It smells like. Sorry, so words. What, um, what shocked me was when I was putting it together, I was like, I wonder how close this is going to be. And I put the orange juice in, gave it a whiff and went, I've done something terrible here. Okay. I've, I've done it. <laughs> you, you've I've done committed it. a war crime. I have, uh, this is a crime. Cheers to our university year. Cheers. I'm, I am, I will say, I'm interested because I feel like a lot of what you were drinking uni is weak as fuck because mm. it would be a lot no. of like where this the spoons are equivalent of pictures. But from your description, no. So I'm looking forward to- But this to... will keep us awake because it's orange juice yeah, and energy drink. But I look at this and I'm just like, that's not going to get me drunk because this is some fruity <laughs> uni shit. But then you've listed and I'm like, oh no. Cheers to Kelsey's cheers. bar. Cheers. Yeah, you've pretty much nailed that. Oh, God, that's bang on. Bang on, mate. Charlie? It's nice, isn't it? It tastes like someone's melted a load of gummy bears and Mm. made it alcoholic. Mm. Neil, I just feel that a lot of people have been alienated by this talk Mm. and they won't have understood. So to bring it back down to a level that everyone can understand, Mm. could you tell us a potted history of the time that you played What's New Pussycat over 12 times in Pussies. <laughs> no, it wasn't What's New Pussycat. That's a John Mulaney bit. I did Love Shack. Okay, could you just tell us, not a long Neil story, a yes. short Neil version. I will do so the, the best bar, of. The bar that sells this drink... Has a jukebox. Has a jukebox, and Neil once played a joke. I, I went to dinner with a couple of friends one night. We were being a bit fancy. We went to actually quite a nice restaurant. And we were like, should we go to Kelsey's? And we were talking about the jukebox on the way because there'd usually be some metal heads in there who'd put on like a whole Metallica album. We were like, what if we commandeered it? And we'd been talking about that John Mulaney bit where he puts on What's New Pussycat 20 times in a row in a mm. diner. And on the way there, I just remembered that Love Shark has that lyric in it that's like, come on and bring your jukebox money. So I was like... <laughs> What if we did that with Love Shack? And I went in there, we put in like a couple quid in the jukebox each and just put on Love Shack as many times in a row as we physically could. I think it was about five songs for two pounds at that point. First play, you know, everyone was, it was quite early in the evening, but people were enjoying it. Of course, everyone loves Love Shack. Um, Second play, just as John Mulaney described, people were like, wow, 
Love Shack's a longer <laughs> song than I remembered. You that's, just think it's the same song. That's exactly how it went down. He was you totally correct. You think it's the 10-minute version of Taylor Swift's All Too Well, you, you know? You're just yeah. like, okay, this is longer than I thought. You were just like, okay, Love Shack's a pretty long song. The third time, you can see the bar staff was starting to get a bit itchy. <laughs> <laughs> and the fourth time... <laughs> I shit you not. Barman walks out from behind the bar with a crowbar. (laughs) (laughs) And he pries the jukebox open and resets it because he thinks it's broken. He thinks, oh, something's gone wrong here and Love Shack's just not going to stop. So it then just starts playing whatever random tracks it chooses. And I immediately walk up putting another pound (laughs) on Love Shack again. And I think over the course of that evening, we heard Love Shack over 10 times. Neil is a <laughs> shithead for anyone that's yeah. wondering. Um, then over various like years, they started changing the rules on the jukebox to stop people doing things like that, <laughs> probably oh. because of us. Yeah. Okay, um, um, I encourage you all. Uh, I, what I want my legacy to be is if any of you live in a town with a bar with a jukebox in mm. that is still a physical jukebox, I need you to load up a song five plus times yeah. if it's love shack and, bonus points from me if it's love shack bonus points Wait. and i need you to film the reaction and i need this to be a hashtag to do with goblet of wine and i need this to yeah. be our legacy yeah and please yeah do love shack send it to us please. if it's not love shack, mm. if you don't have love shack Anything pick an abba song pick a Beatles yeah. song yeah. pick something yeah. else as egregious something recognizable yeah. but recognizable annoying recognizable and annoying yeah. <laughs> and I need you to play it five plus times and I need you to send us the footage hashtag yeah. shack of wine hashtag <laughs> shack of wine I will say last time I think that me and Neil hung out we went to some pub didn't we and mm. then you were like oh there's a jukebox and I was like no no <laughs> but- don't do it. <laughs> like the sort of potted story after that is they then made it so you couldn't put it on twice in one payment and then you couldn't put it on twice in one queue. One time they trolled me back and somehow swapped out one of my love shacks for Mbop by Hanson, which was incredible. Um, but my favourite one was I walked in there. This is like the proper nexus point of this story. As I walked in and there was a guy at the jukebox who'd put in like 15 credits. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to hear Love Shack now. <laughs> And I see night the, ruined. I know, literally, night night's ruined. over. Well Sun's leave. crying. Cheers. The guy brings up the search bar and types in L O V E space S H A C K. <laughs> and I tap him on the shoulder and I say, How do you know? <laughs> and he looks at me and he just says, Because I own Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, that's the best moment of my life. Yeah. So <laughs> do you think they knew it was you? Oh, 100%. Neil is it's like every time okay, that guy. Neil, you created a legacy in Levington. Mm. Me and Charlie have the power to create a worldwide legacy. Yes. Let's make this global. Let's, Let's make, make it viral. Shack of wine. Shack of wine. I need tweets. I need TikToks. I need Instagrams as proof. Yeah. If, you if anyone a does it, we will send a video of us back thanking you. We will send a video of us. At least one of us. I will send you. I'll send you a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. So one, one of the three of us. If you have a jukebox in your town, you need to queue up Love Shack more than five times. Mm. No, more than three times. As many times as you more can. As many times as you or physically willing to. can. Mm-hmm. Or are willing to. I'd like to say I'd love to see your pictures of Eliminator if you make it at home. Please. Yes, please yes, also send us pictures please. as well as your Love Shack evidence. And also, if any of you have ever been to Kelsey Leamington's bar and bought an Eliminator, mm. please send us those throwback pics. If you happen to be driving through Leamington, come on, we can go make and this get a, a picture thing. of Eliminator. Imagine if you know, we raise Kelsey's have a sales or, by a certain percentage. Or if anyone <laughs> is near Kelsey's and wants to go put Love Shack on, oh, just to keep the legacy going. Right I now. used to get texts a couple of years after leaving uni from people that were still there saying, 
Someone's just put Love Shack on in Kelsey, you know, so you amazing. hear it. You know what I'm But, like, feeling? the thing is, because that was many years ago now, so it probably has died out. I think down. it's probably gone, yeah. Do you know so what I'm feeling? Can you imagine if someone goes in and puts it on, and there's just, like, a barman just, like, drops a glass and it smashes You just see like, them do the sort of Vietnam 100-yard stare, like, <laughs> he's back. But, yeah, because my next question, before we actually start talking about the chapters, was going to be, how is everyone? Charlie has a man, Charlie has a man, Charlie has a man. Talk about the man. <laughs> I do have a man. I have a boyfriend. Um... <laughs> The more observant wow. I haven't met the boyfriend. She hasn't. So this is becoming a thing, which I really hope doesn't continue on as a lasting And when Charlie started seeing the boy, I had the flu. Like, and not yeah. just like, oh, no, you I had a cold. I was so ill, I've guys. I've never seen like, you ill before. That I, was Neil has never seen me that ill. And then there were three weeks when I just didn't happen to meet him. And then Neil Well, because we were first seeing each other. You were it first wasn't... seeing each other. Like, they weren't... Like, there was just a lot going on. And then Neil decided to go and get fucking COVID-19. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, we haven't mentioned this on the podcast. Neil is recovering from COVID. As in, I... he's done with his isolation. Yeah, he's done with his okay. isolation. Charlie is allowed to be here. Neil no longer is contagious. Yeah. But Neil has had COVID. So neither of us re- and it I- was when he you two were supposed to meet him well it was when we were supposed to meet him mm. i haven't like i technically by law have been allowed to leave the house but because of you know i i haven't been because we're close mm. i we share a bed you we share a bed although i haven't contracted covid so it is now charlie has had a boyfriend <laughs> yeah but like in considerable amount of time and i haven't met yeah. him <laughs> for context we our first date was on Halloween. So we cute. went on our so first cute. date in Aww. Halloween costumes. Um, iconic, iconic, to be honest. And it is now the fifth of December, and Hannah hasn't met him. Also, honestly, circumstances fucking us over here. I don't know if you guys have heard this because I haven't heard anyone talking about it. But that COVID nineteen disease, <laughs> it's actually quite bad. <laughs> Thank like, you, Neil. I don't Thank know. You, Neil. I've not heard anyone say that. I, I think people need to <laughs> start talking yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone Normalise should... COVID-19. <laughs> Normalise. So do you think, Charlie, when we recorded the Christmas episode a year ago, did you think a year later, Neil himself would have COVID? <laughs> oh, no, because me and Neil were joking earlier about uh, a Neil bingo card. And mm. I was like, absolutely, the like <laughs> default win is just Neil gets COVID from a gig. Chapter 35. 35. Beyond the veil. A load of Death Eaters appear. I wrote a note during our discord hour that i'd like to read out now fine mm. i'm like this is literally the first thing that possibly happens at loads of death eaters and hannah's like i've got a note before this if the flight took the predicted five and a oh, half no. hours because they traveled 100 miles an hour shouldn't the order be there by now because they can literally apparate because they're adults even if the horses were traveling at 250 miles an hour snape told the order by the time they got on the horses and then the flight took at a minimum two hours i am not going to go less than two hours the order should be here by now absolutely yeah bullshit yeah i was thinking about like how fast does a thestral go we're oh like, Neil, no, don't Neil. don't oh, open this can of worms. I'm so sorry. There I has been a TikTok. <laughs> there has been calculations. There's been Hannah looking into what time the sun sets in Scotland in summer. So I I did Google genuinely without knowing that you two had gone into depth on this. Very you depth. Could, you should have predicted much depth. I was like, well, they can't have been going the speed of sound. <laughs> It's 700 miles an hour, by the way. Yeah, that's exactly what I googled. I was like, how fast is the speed of No, sound? no, believe me, I looked that okay, up. Okay, but even with 100 miles an hour, yeah. 
as I pointed out last episode, the G forces. Mm. They'd all get a fucking free facelift. And even with 100 miles an hour, it's five and a half hours. I'm, I'm I am willing, not going to say under two hours. I'm willing to accept, though, that because obviously they talk about how the Thestrals kind of sweep up in this really weird ethereal way. I'm willing to accept they have a bubble around them somehow, like a magic bubble. Actually, Harry points out that the other Thestrals go behind him in his slipstream, so there's no ethereal bubble. He oh, literally God. mentions the word slipstream. Then, Because I was like, oh, maybe they're going about 300, but no, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Because I was like, well, what's the straight line distance from Glenfinnan to London? 550, <laughs> already looked it up. <laughs> Can I just say, you two were just a perfect match. You're both insane and I hate you. The order should already be here by the time the kids Absolutely. are in the aisle. Yep. They were all too busy fingering each other. They, <laughs> they had a real like human centipede thing going on and took them a while to detach. just had to detach. And before we record this episode, by the way, before at uh, 36 minutes in, when we start talking about this, I have to say, but during this book series, during the last few episodes, I have read all the young dudes, okay? I read it. So now all of my thoughts to do with Lupin and Sirius have been coloured by all the young dudes. And I, I can't need, go back from this. I really need to read that. It's it's as long as the last three Harry Potter books combined. It's a big one. Get a life. You absolute <laughs> saddo. No, it's 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 half a million words. I even saw like um, one of the big was it Mashable or someone did an article recently that was like the best Harry Potter book wasn't even written no, by J.K. I'm not Rowling. Saying you do need to read it. it it's actually it's actually an good. Apparently. Excellent. You haven't read it. Shut I said up. apparently. It's actually an excellent book, but it's fucking long. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's now, really interesting. Mm. Now all everything to do with Lupin and Sirius has been coloured by me reading all the young mm. dudes. So is it they like, were just banging. Can you like tell the difference between that and JK's writing? Obviously it is a different writer, but in Obviously. some ways she has tried to mirror mm. the writing style of JKR. And actually she's, I assume it's a she, she calls herself a she. Mm. It's impeccable writing. Like, did it she fill a void? Public, it filled a void. She could be a published author. Like, yeah. I've read worse books that are published into paper. I think it's such a shame that she won't come forward and say who she is because I, I think maybe she could actually make a living out of writing actual books. Millions, if she's that but because yeah, like literally so many things from Twilight to Fifty Shades of Grey to yeah. you know whatever inevitable get, published I, I, fan fiction from Fifty Shades of Grey comes about, mm. and then we just have this endless fucking. But anyway. I, I hope she mm. gets a book deal from I doing so. this yeah. because it maybe she has maybe she has and we don't know because she refuses to release her identity mm. if any of you haven't read all the young dudes by the way if anyone hasn't read it is like some of you might have is a marauders era fan fiction that manages to fit with canon whilst making mm. Sirius and remus yeah. a couple what did you read it on ao3 yeah, because that's the thing. I would really, I could not read that length of writing off a computer. So screen. it's been copied enough times now that you can definitely find a version of it how yeah. you need to. Because I would mm. want it as like an ebook so I can read it. No, with a you'll be able to find that. Or I would want it as like a real book. It has been read and copied enough times now that you can find that. And a lot of people have had it bound. And in all honesty, I enjoyed it so much. I'm considering pay, paying to get it bound. Wow. It's illegal to bind fan fiction, by the way. Don't bind fan That's fiction. That's a yeah, illegal thing. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't Definitely do that. illegal. Don't, Definitely don't, don't do that. Definitely don't do that. Um, Why is that illegal? Uh, be- copyright issues. Copyright isn't it? issues. Wow. Yeah. Trademark, I think, actually, not copyright. Because anyway, you- anyway. Don't do that. I will <laughs> anyway, report you to the young, police. Anyway, all the young dudes <laughs> is in no way perfect, but 
basically i read it this is going completely off tangent but i read it because if you guys remember many 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 episodes back i said oh if you guys can recommend me any wolf star things oh yeah i prefer slow burn i prefer like romance you read that so quickly i feel like it was yesterday you requested that no that was i know it was probably ago. like three months ago and i read <laughs> i i read the five hundred thousand word fanfic in 10 days what <laughs> the fuck <laughs> She did actually read it. Yeah, I can Neil, confirm that. Neil, did she speak to you in that time? No. <laughs> did you say wolf star? Oh, do you not know the term wolf star? This no. has been around since 2003. Oh, as in Lupin Serious, wolf star, wolf right. Wolf star cool. is the name of the ship. It's a ship name. Yeah, it's that's... ship name. What about Supin? <laughs> get out, get out the room. <laughs> anyway, it is... I like the Supin. It could either be Sirius and Lupin or Snape and Lupin. Yeah. <laughs> Both. Snoopin. To be fair, you like soup. Souplin. I do like soup. She anyway, loves soup. It is in no way perfect, but it, it honestly, in some ways, it was like reading a Harry Potter book. Yeah. Mm. I, so a dozen Death Eaters appear around <laughs> Harry and his friends. What? No way. Oh, well. um, the main one, Harry knows I like to think, because this is the thing. It's like, I don't believe that they apparated there because as much as I believe that they did take down the, the guards, security, mm. it's like, it's too much of how would they know, blah, blah, blah. So I think they were there invisible, concealing themselves. Sometimes, okay. the, which I like to think that they've just been there, like just like giggling, just like you know, when Ron's like, "Why does this have your name on?" But our names aren't there, and they're like, "The fucking, fucking idiot, idiot <laughs> Jesus Christ, this child." <laughs> Harry knows immediately the main one is Lucius Malfoy, even though they the, all the Deathies are wearing masks, which is kind of important to the story because you don't know who they are immediately. But Harry's mm. like, "That's Lucius Malfoy. Your mask is shit because you sound like a Malfoy." Mm. Harry, bless his tiny heart, keeps asking for Sirius. He's like, where's Sirius? Where have you got him? And a woman is just laughing at him and you don't know who the woman is yet, but she's just laughing So this was, because I was reading this like, is this the first time we meet Bellatrix? In or is person, she in... no, in person, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, she's, she's in that gaunt, that gaunt chapter, right? In like the beginning of book four. Maybe. She has been, no, she's only ever brought into the story in book five. Wow. So she's brought up, no, 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 I'm wrong. She was brought in in book four. The first mm. time we get introduced to her is she is in the party that gets arrested with Crouch Jr. Yes. Dumbledore yeah. tells Harry that that's who tortured Neville's parents. Mm. Then we learn she's a relative of Sirius at the beginning of book five. Gotcha. Yeah. But this is the first time we meet her. In person. Which, and I think this is like, this is the theme of the chapter for me is there are so many things that this chapter from kind of like ideologies to like characters where I'm just like, this feels like such a staple part of Harry Potter. But here we are, the grand majority of the way through, like mm. end of book five, we've got two books left being introduced to these characters and these themes that just like, to me, don't like Harry Potter doesn't exist without. And it's like, we are just meeting Bellatrix yeah. and we're just learning these things. And I'm just like, but that is Harry Potter. And because I read it from such a young age, I'm just like, I don't remember it without. Some of this does feed into my theory that J.K. Rowling didn't know what she was doing for the first few books. But, but, in, that's, some you ways, know. but in some ways I like that because Bellatrix is such a complex character that I don't feel she suits any book before this. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because she is not, she is entirely evil, but she's nuanced in the way she's a relative mm. of Sirius's, and that mm. only suits the later books. You yeah. can't exactly bring her in in book one. No. Yeah. Oh my god. And no. I also, I also think that there's like, I'm fine with not every detail as long as you've got like some coherent, you know, mm. you you've got your end game. I'm fine with not every detail being 
planned out but where I think the difference is is like if you don't know exactly how the ending that you've decided on is coming about or whatever it's it's that classic Game of Thrones thing mm. the you know whatever his name J.J.R. Martin or yeah, whatever <laughs> what's his name George R.R. Martin. Martin not J.J. Okay, Abrams but like that was very J. J. very that, like that was close yeah um, you're on the way yeah, yeah yeah exactly but like what he says about how like writers sometimes they don't like when fans guess yeah so they change the path that they're on oh and worst I, decision you could ever make. yeah and mm. i i never feel like jk did that she might not have had every detail planned out but like aside from maybe some tiny tiny um mm. homophobic details i don't think <laughs> that she changed her writing <laughs> no she didn't. um depending on what people are guessing. it gets more mm. mature as harry gets more mature yes. and it's fucking clever yeah, like clever i'm that. sorry it's fucking clever I don't think I appreciated it at all as a kid. Yeah. Like, I remember so little of reading these last three. So, Harry raises his wand, and the other five do the same, and this chapter is written very well in the way that I it... I fucking ca- love this chapter. I fucking love this chapter. It's it's written very well in the way it characterises each of the, the six individually, but also characterises them as a team mm. extremely well. And Harry raises his wand. The other five raise his wand and the Death Eaters laugh at them. They laugh because they're acting as a unit with Harry leading them. And they are underestimating that Harry can be a leader and that these are a unit. And I just love Mm. that harry mentions hermione a lot he's the one who stamps on her toe to pass the message to he often hears her breathing he grabs her to pull her along and hermione is often the natural leader but harry always in situations of high pressure becomes the leader and the way Mm. that he raises one and all five raise their one with him honestly reading it gave me chills i was like fuck yes and I also love it because it's like, I mean, there's a lot to be said about the whole like, oh, all of the Death Eaters are Slytherin and the good guys are Gryffindor and blah, blah, blah. We know that that's absolutely bullshit. There's one Ravenclaw in there. <laughs> Luna. Yes, I know. But you know, for the yep. most part. Um, Sorry, I thought you meant in the Death Eaters. I was like, when does Luna join the Death Eaters? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you'll find it in Curse Child. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, I think the reason that the Death Eaters kind of underestimate this. Aside from the whole thing, that the reoccurring theme we discussed before about adults kind of underestimating children or like young adults. Mm. But I think the thing is, is that they're a bunch of like ambitious Slytherins. Whereas, and they their mind works in an analytical way where they're just like, these are a bunch of like, you know, students that are still undergoing their education. We have a bunch of education and life experience. We know all of these dark spells and obviously this is not a fair fight. Mm. There is six of these, you know, kids that and are not of age and us. have not finished their education and there are 12 of us all with finished education and loads of experience, blah, blah, blah. And they're just seeing this as this is not a fair fight and this is blah, blah, blah. To the In the Gryffindor brain, they're just like, I I will do I've got no other choice. Yeah. I will do this. I'm just gonna fucking fight. I might not win, but uh, and that's why they laugh at them because they're like they don't stand a chance. And quite rightly, yeah, because if the order hadn't turned up, they they were fucking gone. No, they were fucking gone. Which like that's not anything against them. They did a lot better than the fucking the us three of us would have done. Mm. But like duh but that's all they see they're just like slytherins and they're just like we're looking at this like as the facts of the situation yeah whereas like to the sixth of them they're just like well all we we what what are the like harry almost says at one point but it at the end of the chapter resonates that all the through the whole thing he says what choice did he have and i feel like that resonates through the whole chapter because at any point he could have given the prophecy over Mm. but he doesn't and a lot of the chapter is based on he has led his friends into this situation so he has to at least try to make it worth 
something. And his entire motivation is to get the six of them out alive. Mm. And it's really heartbreaking Mm. as each of them falls because Harry cares about nothing else anymore. All he cares about is getting the six of them out alive. But like, that's his entire motivation. And he clutches onto the prophecy because that's all the Death Eaters want. And he knows once they get it, they will kill the rest of them. He is adult enough to know they're not going to let them, in his own words, skip off back to school. Yeah. And I had this note because Lucia says like, oh, like, you know, give us a prophecy. And, and no, no one, one has to get gets hurt. hurt. And I love that Harry doesn't remotely fall for this because this is my pet peeve in shit. When like some in character shit. is like, oh, like give, do this and no one gets hurt. And then the character does it. It's like, they're not gonna let you go. And it yeah. really annoys me. <laughs> they're so gonna hurt you now. <laughs> in fiction when people fall for that. And I just, I really, really appreciate that Harry's just like, well, that's not true because Harry is a fucking idiot a lot of and, time. And, and idiot, I honestly but... think that Harry's guilt in this chapter changes him for the rest of the two books because people talk about how Harry's character almost drastically changes between book five mm. and book six because he's been through trauma in book four and then he's obviously mentally scarred in book five. Then he goes what? to... Whoa. And then he goes through a lot of trauma in book five but ends up mentally okay in book six. But I think it's this trauma, this guilt of bringing him friends into this that adjusts his brain a lot because he came so close to losing, especially Hermione. Mm. Hermione, like, as I was reading this, I was like, oh my God, she's dead. Like, she's dead. Yeah. Tonks is dead. Like, I thought, yeah. but if you read this as a new time reader, you might think that both of them are dead. I 100% yeah. remember thinking Hermione was dead. That's one of the few things I remember from reading this book the first like, time. I honestly course, think it'd be Harry, really funny if she was dead right now. Of course, <laughs> Harry changes as a person. Yeah. Of course yeah. he does. Yeah. Yeah. So then, basically, Bellatrix tries to accio yeah. the prophecy from Harry, and Harry manages to block it. And I have a question. Why can't they just rapid fire Accio? Because he only, it doesn't work because he manages to block it. There's 12 Death Eaters. If they all just went Accio, 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 Accio. So I've got quite a big problem with this chapter on that regard. Yeah. Because JK Rowling plays quite fast and loose with whether spells work on words or work on intent. So, okay. So non-verbal spells yes. exist but are a lot harder form but of magic they're so, surely linked they're so surely what linked. she's implying here yeah. is that some of the death eaters can do fantastic non-verbal magic because hermione is almost killed through non-verbal magic but she's implying that some of the death eaters can't and harry takes most of book six to even grasp some of the basic spells in non-verbal mm. magic what J.K. Rowling is implying is that non-verbal magic is not easy and it is a lot easier to do verbal magic. So in a panic, some of the deities who are not as talented use verbal magic. But the way that I would understand it is if you can only use verbal magic, you have to say all the words before anything happens, right? Yes. But on this, they say Akio or Akio and then yeah. it, it starts to move out of his hands. Akio is Axio, as I like to call it. Accio, I don't believe yeah. in the word Akio. It's... It, it, she plays fast and loose with that all the time. Yeah. She also plays very, very fast and loose, as I'm sure we'll discuss later in the chapter, with Expelliarmus. And uh, as we'll as discuss, we'll discuss we've got in the seventh book! Don't get me started on <laughs> Stupefy. Stupefy? No, it never works. Later. It never works. I know it never works, but why? Because he's using Hermione's wand. It's not him mispronouncing. Oh, she makes this that so is unclear. Where, no, no. This is where Wand Law... Actually, no, I really like this chapter for beginning to explain Wand Law. But She's, they, you say she doesn't set it up, but she does. No, but what's annoying is she makes it sound like the only reason no. that Stupefy isn't working is because he's saying Stupefy. No, it's not. Yeah, okay. but she doesn't say that. I know, but you can 
infer it. Yeah, but that's poor inferation. I don't like that. <sighs> anyway, so, so Harry starts to antagonise the murderers that are surrounding well, him. Well, he's trying to make them keep talking. He, yeah, he's, he's buying he's time, for time, but he's doing it by antagonising them. Which, which is I'm Harry, like, you know what? the only way you can work out. Oh yeah, he's a sassy queen. I hate a lot about him. I love how sassy he is. So then the woman <laughs> who we've learned at this point is Bellatrix, who... <laughs> It's so evil. It's kind of hilarious. It's like, right, okay, if you're going to antagonize this, take the smallest girl. So she goes for Ginny because Ginny is the smallest, youngest looking Mm -hmm. girl amongst Mm. them. So she grabs her and says, see how long you can last while we torture her, which is such a good setup for Harry having to dump Ginny in book seven. Such a good setup. As Mm. much as I love Helena Bonham Carter, and I do not think that you could have cast anyone but her absolutely not it was never a question it's like the same way i feel about grindelwald where i'm like why would you ever not cast mad mickelson i'm just like some people were born for the role helena bonham carter was but my only problem with it is i'm like you did not have to make me fancy bellatrix this much (laughs) she's so evil she's so evil i want to fuck her (laughs) i find it so interesting that the death eaters get arsy about other people saying voldemort I think that's quite an interesting little tip. Yeah, that's what sets Bellatrix off. It's like big Mm. sub energy, which is weird (laughs) because Lucius, as I've made many notes in this chapter, has the most dom energy. But what I like is from the perspective of the average wizard, saying Voldemort is like, you know, saying a really bad curse word or a slur or something. It's like this awful word. And as implied by book seven, it has only become that because mm. that they made Voldemort a trace word in the first one. You've told me before were. that that's not the case. No, I've told you before that that's not confirmed. Right. It's not, yeah. Right, okay. But okay. the only reason why it should become that feared is if you believe the law yeah. that it was also a, a trace, trace word, word back in the, back yeah. in the first one. And that, that's fine, that makes sense. But yeah. what, what I like is that they're all like, oh, don't besmirch his name. Like, it's like this disgusting sort of I mean, you hierarchical... know, um, all religious nut jobs are like... Well, yeah. Also, <laughs> don't like, say that. Th- this podcast knows that I am <laughs> Sorry. fully on board the train that Voldemort does actually not give that much of a damn of blood purity. All he cares about is getting followers. And mm. the followers that care about blood purity was the easiest ones to get. So he jumped on board the train of blood purity. Oh, you mm. know, like any kind of, you know, right-wing leader ever exactly mm. you literally jump on board the train trump several years before he ran for president being like oh you know if i was ever gonna run for office i would do it under the like conservative party because they're also like brainless and they just follow anyone blah 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 exactly. and then literally like two or three years later being like hey i'm conservative now like literally like he and Vo- he literally Voldemort he said that and tweeted that in public that he he would d- do mm. that and then he fucking did it and you he just rang saying it i believe he, sorry you can literally watch him saying yeah, it like I, an and interview. then he did it just with right-wing propaganda because he knew that those were the easily brainwashed idiots yeah mm. i know that in some ways voldemort cares about hating muggles because of his father Mm. but i do not believe he cares about it enough Mm. that it's enough to start a war over he wants power and the blood purists are the easiest way to get it absolutely that's fully 100 how i see it so harry 
carries on talking to buy them time and the five of them block Ginny. Like the five of them surround Ginny, which I'm like, my heart, my heart, my little heart is dying. Harry starts to form a plan. Yes, and but he... not until he gets a little bit distracted by the prophecy. And I kind of love it because he's <laughs> no, like, I love it. I love it. He, uh, yeah. But he no, kind of no. like, he's like, I've got this plan. And then Lucius is like, oh, but like, don't you know. Don't you want to know? Don't, don't you want to know why Voldemort targeted you? And, and Harry's, Harry's like, like oh, huh? Like, oh, it's so what? good. Because I, as the reader, you're like, I want to know. I want to know. And this is the thing where it's like, to me, like the prophecy, because like I was so young when this first came out, that mm. it's always to me has been an inherent part of Harry Potter. Yeah. And reading this now, even though I know, and did, like the, yeah. there's a massive part of my brain that is obviously known reading this until this point that we have not known this information. But uh, even no, now it's exactly coming out. It, it's so weird to me that this is the first time we People get this information. People had been reading this for seven years mm. and didn't, not know why Voldemort went after Harry. Yeah. So as a and, reader, you're like, I want to know. And it blows I my mind because you're just like, how until this point did I not wonder why? Like it, it's one of those things you don't think about it until someone says, haven't you wondered why? And then you're like, oh my why? God. No wonder Harry is so distracted by this. I like... I know why Voldemort went after Harry as a child. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, of course I want to know. Oh my God. Yeah. But Harry's kind of so like, kind of like half listen, half keep it together. And he does this thing of like stepping on Hermione's toe. And I'm just like. I mean, Dumbledore binned it, didn't he? By not telling Harry any of this. Oh, oh don't get yeah. us started. So, so Harry is tempted to listen to Lucius because what we learn through Lucius's chat is that Voldemort has been trying to get Harry to this aisle to pick down mm. the prophecy for the entire year. That's why Harry's been dreaming about the corridor because Voldemort believed that Harry yeah. has always known about the prophecy. And I will say before this, I just had a point that I do not believe that Harry could subtly step on Hermione's toe without one of the dead people <laughs> being like, ah, that was No, they're wearing sus. robes. They're wearing robes. Yeah, but even then, you cheer the leg. No, just like, the, just, oh, just, no, robes are very back. long. Like, you know the bit and, and then, no, but he steps on her toes and then whispers to her. Like, I'm No, when sorry. he whispers to her, I'm like, oh, absolutely not. You know the bit in The Simpsons where he's like, now when I step on your foot and say, hello, Mr. Thompson, <laughs> that's how I, that's how I picture this entire thing. The broke so much more oh, when you did fine. that. But yeah, Voldemort believed that Harry had been told the prophecy because Dumbledore has refused to show it to him up until this point. Like, Voldemort has underestimated how much Dumbledore loves, using air quotes, mm. Harry. Because Voldemort, Dumbledore's love of Harry has made him not tell him the prophecy also, up to this point. Because if Dumbledore had actually told him the prophecy, this whole thing would be moot. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like Dumbledore's love so is the entire floor of this book. So love. annoying. Is it love? No. I don't think it's love. That's a big discussion for book six and seven, mm -hmm. isn't it? I'll well, yeah. see you then, folks. See you then, folks. <laughs> How are these shelves not curse-proof? <laughs> uh, because no question. one thought that six teenagers would break no, in. It doesn't matter, mm. teenagers. This is like the most important information in the wizarding world. Pe maybe. Well, no, yeah. because maybe. we learn... Well, we know prophecies are, aren't perfect and blah, 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 blah. They're not real. But in that case, don't, but don't store them in glass orbs on shelves that you could just knock over. Okay, but because I was having this discussion with the Discord and essentially we were like, how do they get there? Yeah. Do they just appear? Like, what happens? And then I came up with a theory. You know, marble runs. <laughs> Is this 
when you were Googling Marble Run. Four times, yes. Um, but yeah, just that there's just a giant Marble Run system. Like the memories from like Inside appears. Out. They just yes. sort of pop no, in. Yes, don't talk to Charlie about it. Don't talk to me about uh, that um, film. But like, yeah, like a Marble Run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like a Marble Run and they just kind of slot into place. I, I figured they must be inherent. They must just happen yeah. when a prophecy happens. Yeah, yes. But I... then also, like, store them better. <laughs> Try harder. Like, just store them in any way that isn't uh, on the shelf. Katie, you just pledged four pounds. Thank you, Katie. Hi, Katie. Thank you, Katie. Live during the Cheers. podcast. Lucius basically says, like, that it's the reason that Harry... He's like, I, I thought you would have wanted to know the reason that you have this scar. Voldemort thought you would have wanted to hear the exact wording. Mm, very interesting. Because this implies that Voldemort is not aware of the existence Exa- of a um, pensive. Because mm. in the end, even after it's smashed in the next book, Harry hears the exact wording through That's Dumbledore's memory. That's a very memory. good point. Because Thank yeah, you, Hannah. Voldemort mm. is essentially saying that there's no way Harry could hear the exact wording unless through a prophecy, even though he knows that Sybil Trelawney is yep. employed at the school, that the prophecy was told to Dumbledore. Therefore, and Dumbledore... Snape. No, Snape only heard the second half. Very important. True, yes. Very true. important. So the only person that knows the prophecy in full is Sybil Trelawney, but she doesn't remember it. And Dumbledore. And Dumbledore. But Voldemort believes that even though Harry knows the existence of the prophecy, he wouldn't know the full wording, which exactly. yeah, implies he doesn't know the existence exactly. of the prophecy. But he would, because he's a very well-researched, intelligent exactly. wizard. But I, I always thought, I mean, this doesn't discount that, because obviously I think Voldemort would know. Mm. But I always thought the Pensieve was this weird arcane sort of ancient we never hear about anyone else apart from Dumbledore because it's described as this stone bowl with runes in the side Mm. I figure it's a very rare and unusual object I think think it's really interesting because you hear at kind of the same points of the books you hear I feel like it's around the same time that you um, Moody has all of these weird magical objects in his office and it's kind of around the same time Mm. that you learn about the the pensive Mm. so you kind of assume that it's in the same this is like a commercial thing that you can buy and it's probably a lot of money but it's still Mm. kind of under the same umbrella of like this is like some rare but cool piece of magic that you can buy but actually I reckon it's ancient I reckon it's so rare and I've never considered that until this moment but yeah like maybe it's so rare and blah 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 Voldemort would never think that because otherwise everyone would have one yeah but also and you know that like Snape must know about it because Snape, when he's dying, gives the thoughts. Snape borrows it. Snape borrows it every time that he has an occlumency lesson with Harry. I also think it's possible. I think memory magic is definitely known. Like to to give a memory to remove a memory is probably known. I think pensives are the unusual thing because we see in Fantastic Beasts one as well how memory magic is used on uh, death row inmates, (laughs) which is a whole thing. Um, but I, I think that's probably known. But I think a pensive itself is yeah. a yeah. rare but object. Even you would think like Voldemort. He'd is, know. He, and it's really think. interesting because then it's like, what goes into the history of the pensive? Because we know that although Voldemort is this incredibly powerful wizard who knows an incredible amount about most of areas, we know that there are certain areas of magic, for instance, anything to do with love and anything to do with like other like species mm. that he's like very naive to. And it's like, it's really interesting that he apparently doesn't know about the pensive because then it's like, what is the origin of the pensive? Maybe if it apparently fits into one of these areas of magic that he doesn't know about. Maybe mm. he does know about it, but is arrogant enough to think Dumbledore doesn't have one. 
I feel like that's just like a massive oversight. That's though. a massive oversight. I feel oversight. like he that, would be that wouldn't open be his only the... massive oversight, to be fair. No, but Dumbledore is the only one he feared. Mm, yeah. The next chapter is literally, literally called, called The Only, the one, only he ever feared. one He Feared. Like, yeah. if he's going to think that anyone has a pensive, he's going to think that Dumbledore has one. Mm. Yeah. So the six of them reducto the shelves. The and... non curse proof shelves with glass balls on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah no and it's just like, can we just acknowledge the moment that Harry is just like, someone made a prophecy about me and Voldemort and mm. this is the entire reason that my life has gone And he chooses to save his friends. And this is where a lot of his behaviour in the latter half of this book is forgiven mm. because we have been bitching about how he brought his friends here. Valid. We, we have been <laughs> bitching about how he didn't try hard enough to stop them. But this entire chapter is focused on the need and want to get the five of them out alive even if it comes at harry's own death he mm. at some points considers yeah. that he will stay and he will die to get the five of them out and mm. we forgive like i forgive him his emotional that he goes through in this chapter like he's clearly having a panic attack at some points mm. he says it feels like he cannot breathe that, that moment of guilt is gut-wrenching it's, it's and horrific he to read and it's like at the start when the first there he repeated is repeatedly it's just like but where's serious? serious where's serious? serious and it's like partly him being a dumbass but then partly no. like the absolute denial that he's in it's that denial he's just like no he has to be here otherwise otherwise i've killed my friends yeah. like, we've all been there yeah. he he will do anything to get the five of them out and it's it's gut-wrenching so he tells them to smash the shelves and then i found this which is really smart it's mm. so smart but then i found this line really weird where he grabs hermione's robes and pulls her like i think this is where the harmony shipping comes from because mm. like he doesn't grab anyone else even Ginny, who was the one who was targeted by bellatrix he grabs hermione's robes we know hermione's the one directly behind him because he's the one whose foot he found and he's the one she he says he can feel the breath on the back of his neck mm. but he's the one he grabs and pulls her so he grabs and pulls her, is dragging her along. Stuff is smashing over them. He's covering their heads. He says he can hear Hermione encouraging Neville. Then he says he can see Ron, Ginny and Luna sprinting ahead, which makes sense because Ron's instinct is going to be to protect Ginny. I think he trusts Ron to protect Ginny because Ron goes with Ginny because Ron has to protect Absolutely. her. Mm. And Luna is going to go with Ginny. So he sees the Neville. three of them. No. Luna is Ginny's best friend. What about Neville? Neville, uh, Neville Hermione... has no friends. Shut up, Neville. <laughs> no, Neville. Hermione, Hermione is encouraging Neville to sprint. Hermione yeah. is okay, saying, run, sure. keep up, keep up. Yeah, yeah. So Harry sees the three of them sprint past. Him, he is with Hermione, who he's grabbed and dragged. Mm. And Neville, who Hermione is grabbing and dragging. So the three of them are in some sort of chain. And I, I, and I quite like this as like a character piece because I do think that Hermione is the one that would freeze in terms of she yes. would be in her head thinking about what do I do next and that's why I think getting it's, to run that's why I think it's good that Harry drags her it's not a harmony thing it's that we've built up four and a half books that Hermione panics she's bad under pressure she's bad under pressure whereas Ron is historically good under pressure he would grab Ginny and he's Luna he's going to sacrifice himself he's going to <laughs> sacrifice <laughs> himself <laughs> no you can't no he is going to make sure his sister makes it out of yeah. it and he mm. is going to also grab Luna because he's going to Ron... make sure his sister makes it out of him because fucking would you want to deal with Molly no Ron protect 
Ron protect. Ron attack. <laughs> Ron attack. Hermione freeze. Yeah. Hermione always freeze. I honestly, if anything, it's like, I hate that we don't get more explicitly because we get like the really like awful sexist elements of Ron trying to protect Ginny, mm. which hate, bad. That's not no, what I want to see. No, but I don't. There's elements that I hate because it's sexist. But I truly believe if Ginny was a boy, Ron would still be the same. Because Ron is protective by nature. I, I think if it was Fred or George, he would do the same thing. But it's something about the younger specifically. Yeah. But that, if it was a younger brother, he'd do the same thing. But, yeah. but, 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 yeah. but my point is, is that we kind of get it with the romantic shit that he gets really defensive yeah. and sexes and it's gross. Mm. But it's like, and we do kind of, if you read into it, we get it in these moments, but only if you incredibly read into it. But I'm like, if we're, if we're seeing Ron be so disgustingly sexist, sexist and protective in these moments, I want to see it in like, all of the moments, you know? But like, we I, yeah. I want to see it right now. I want to, I want it like explicit in the text about how protective he is of Ginny in this moment. That's what I want. Because yeah. as much as there's nothing that can excuse his sexism later on, I at least want it to be consistent that yeah. in this moment, he would do anything, anything to protect his sister. Yeah, because us, we're reading the subtext right now that he would do anything to protect Ginny. And we're using that to excuse some of the sexist things he says in yeah. book six about her basically being a slut. Ron basically <laughs> slut shapes her in book six. Yeah. I truly believe from what we know about Ron from the context of all seven books that he would... Do, he. The character of Ron is essentially meant to boil down to the fact that he would lay down his life for his friends. Hermione, although she would, would freeze and would try to work out the logical situation. Ron, without thinking, without hesitating, without trying to work out another scenario, Mm -hmm. would jump in front of the spell. Yeah. That is meant to be the point of Ron. It's kind of fight or flight, but it's it's not that Hermione has chosen either. Mm. It's that she's spending too long trying to decide. Exactly. Yeah, whereas I know that I am absolutely fight. Like, absolutely. Yeah. They run through the door and Harry, Hermione and Neville realise that Ron, Ginny and Luna have gone the wrong way. And I just love this split. Like, I, I, I know, really think because it it's characterises like, them if you, so well. Yeah, and like, if you were to split up these six people into like two threesomes that you would want to have or like be <laughs> a part of, so I guess like foursomes, this is how you would split it. You would want Herm- Ron, uh, you would want Harry, Hermione and Neville and then you would want Ron... Luna and Ginny, and that's how you would split it. For the it sibling thing, of, right? For yeah, obviously. No, like, stop talking. <laughs> why not? <laughs> they don't have to interact. We love just... we love Rinny. <laughs> I'm a big Rinny fan. Screaming, crying. <laughs> <laughs> thank uh, you, thank you, Neil, for being here. <laughs> Normally, it's just Hannah and absolute silence, and then she edits out when I say these things. <laughs> John. <laughs> I just realised it's John <laughs> the other way. JKR. <laughs> JKR splits it in the weirdest way she can and it's brilliant. Like she just, it, yeah. it's really good. So the three of them slam through Collar Porter's the door, which is the opposite of Alohomora. Yeah. The Death Eat, they realise they've been split up. You then hear Malfoy order the other death eaters i feel like eaters. we should say lucius or it's confusing that you then hear lucius order the other death eaters to get the prophecy so do not harm harry but kill the others if you have to and this is such a gut-wrenching moment like for harry and for the reader because like until this point because lucius said no one gets hurt there's a tiny part of your brain that thinks they'll be okay and then you're like no they're really not gonna be okay like this mm. this is death and I do then think... they hide under the desks 
which in relation to Lucius saying kill the others feels so disgustingly childish. And they've hidden under the mm. desks. And also, we might have to put a trigger warning here, but also in relation to if we we're talking about school shootings, it's like... Yeah. Mm. It's a lot. It's so, like, it, it's so disgusting. And I've mm. got multiple notes in this chapter of how... And I, when I say disgustingly naive, I don't mean that as a criticism yeah. to the six of them. I mean it as a commentary on how this chapter is written in the fact that we are meant to see them as so naive because they it's are. painful. They're completely underprepared. They did not go into this for a no, fight. No. Which is they're not stupid. A <laughs> fight to the death with to a bunch death. of like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. really with, like, powerful guys. Like two times the amount. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so they're hiding under the desk and Lucius has split the deathies into pairs. So two deathies enter the room where Harry Neville and Hermione are. And Harry manages to hit one of them with stupefy, so good, they're out of the way. And then the other is going for Hermione with a Vada Kedavra, which is when you realise how fucking dark this chapter is. And yeah. Harry cannot shoot a spell in time, so Rugby tackles him to the and ground! I fucking love this. I love any moment with any kind of like muggle born yeah. or muggle raised same. person where they just completely in the moment forget they can do magic just and just go... Oh, someone gets stabbed in the eye later. Yeah, because Harry knocks his aim off, and that's all that matters. He's trying to shoot a Vada Kedavra, and Harry's like, "Fuck it." Yeah, it's brilliant. It's it's absolutely amazing, and I also love the implication because I think in this instance, it's literally what Harry's gut reaction is. Mm. His gut reaction in this moment is not quick, do a spell. That's his secondary. His first one is just like his knock him off balance. He's trying to save Hermione's life. I I love the idea of like, and I'm sure there are like wizards that have done this, but wizards that have really honed in on this where they're like, I can combine both like the muggle fighting and the wisdom fighting and like come up with some kind of like the perfect balance. Oh, Mm. Where it's not just based on like gut reaction where I can actually train myself to make sure that my gut reaction is what is actually the most efficient and effective in the moment and that's just like chef's kiss a hundred percent like i think the people that were raised in muggle environments in some way have an advantage because they especially harry because he grew up fighting dudley he has an understanding of muggle fighting yeah Mm. so harry rugby tackles him neville hits the two of them with expelliarmus which fires their wands across the room but also expelliarmus and then seventh book and i'm just like it just I don't buy ever whatever explanation she's given. I hate it. I hate it so much. I love it in theory, but I'm I just love like, it in it theory doesn't... if she had set it up yeah. earlier. It's just like in the seventh book, she's like, oh, if you expel Yarmus someone, you get their wand. Ig- ignore the other six six books that I wrote. Like I suppose when Hermione axios the Ron back to Harry, that transfers the power back to him. No, surely not. No, because she's no. not the one that disarmed him. Because anyone could accio anyone's wand. And they do it even when they're like training in the um, Dumbledore's army. It's just, it doesn't make sense. And I'm sure that she's given some bullshit excuse. But it's just like... Set it up earlier if you were going to make that the crux of the Exactly, exactly. It's like there's 100% a way that you could do this where it has to be like, oh, there has to be... Like with the... Intent. It's about intent. Yeah, with Hmm. the unforgivable things. And it's like, it's the intent, blah, blah, blah. I I would have thought if this was the case, Expelliarmus would be a much more powerful spell. Exactly. But they ridicule Harry continuously for using Expelliarmus. Well, exactly. So there's something wrong here with the world building. (laughs) something wrong. Oh, it's absolutely flaw. Yeah. Because it's just like, if you say it's about intent... But then what is the difference between, like, the intent here with with Neville expelliarmusing both the Death Eater and Harry and then the intent in the seventh book with Harry expelliarmusing Malfoy? There is 
no difference. Yeah. Yeah. No difference. Exactly. I will not buy any excusing off it. I'm sorry, I will not. And the seventh book even comes down to not a spell. It comes down to Harry physically muggly, mugglily, brilliant, yeah. wrenching the rons. Yeah. That counts as a yeah. transference of power. Yeah. And like, yeah, I just, I just feel no. like ex- excuses are kind of vaguely thrown about, and I just don't buy any yeah. of them, quite frankly. Yeah. If these Fantastic Beast films, as much as they're already obviously a train wreck, if these come really? out, yeah, really? <laughs> no what? way, a train wreck um, about Kershaw? Surely not. Surely not. <laughs> Have you seen Fantastic Beast two? Oh, it's great! It's brilliant. If these come down to one law again, which mm. it kind of feels like they might, oh. like this, they're peppering it in there. It's yeah. going to be so annoying. So <laughs> it's, they're already ruined, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's already dead. <laughs> yeah, we will be torrenting that shit. Yes, yeah, please. Will. So Neville Expelliarmus, uh, Expelliarmus is the pair of them. And then while trying to run and save them, he stupefies a time turbine cabinet, which I just find absolutely hilarious of J.K. Rowling being like, I need to fix a plot hole I created for myself. I will now stupefy yeah. this cabinet. I love this. I, I love, love it. this. No, I fully love it. I love, I love this her. Is a Before woman. she was problematic, I love her for this. this. This is a woman who, and I will say this, despite all of her horrendous flaws. We're allowed to compliment her on this podcast. Yeah, she nailed the time travel in Prisoner of Azkaban. And then like, she was like, I will not do this. But she clearly realised that like, I've opened a can of worms here that could actually ruin everything else. So all the time turners are in this cabinet and now they're all broken. <laughs> it's already convenient that literally none of them were on loan. <laughs> Apart Unless... from one, maybe. No, no, oh. no. Stop talking. Stop your words. Ah! Screaming, It's canon, crying. guys. It's canon. Hannah has a new joke. <laughs> yeah. It's and the she's making a lot. <laughs> I've just seen a lot of TikToks. You know how right-wing people only have one joke? <laughs> Guys, it just came up a lot in this episode, but yeah. yeah, I just love that she was like, and I'm writing out my own plot hole. Fuck the rest of it's you. It's actually really clever from her because no, it's, it's, it's really a throwaway clever. thing where it's like, and the cabinet was like, pew, 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 <laughs> and the time turns gone. And there goes that storyline. <laughs> Try to question me now. <laughs> what is gender? Though, like, th- this brings me quite nicely onto the time room that they're in. I love all of this absolutely mental stuff in the time room and in the previous chapter in like the the brain room and all that stuff. It totally cut from the film. Okay, but you haven't listened to our last episode, right? No, I haven't. No, of course so he hasn't. He doesn't. <laughs> right? Can I just say to like degrade Neil in all your minds? He doesn't oh, yeah, listen just to the degrade him. Podcast. Podcast. Look, look, I hear quite a bit of it live. To be fair, not enough of excuses. I, but I haven't heard much of the last one. Okay. So, essentially, and I at the time had very little support of this, but since, at least from the Discord, I feel like I've had more support. Mm. All of their little themed rooms. Mm. So we established in the last one that each of these rooms are studying a different thing from mm. time to the brain to and it's, space. And, it, and, to... and it's studying a, a cornerstone of what makes us human. Yes. Yeah, sure, but sure. But my point was mm. they're studying it in a way that say you went into a job completely not knowing what you were doing and mm. pretending that you were not know that you were that you did know that you go on, go on. eliminator this man might be... really Stop. does it to you doesn't it yeah, yeah 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 so you were pretending this job yeah i know what i'm doing you know when you're just bullshitting every moment you die yeah but your boss says to you you are study time you study the brain whatever and you are just a wizard with no scientific <laughs> knowledge or and understanding or capability or whatever. Mm. And as we know, the ministry is wildly mismanaged. Would you, 
these rooms are what you would set up to be like, this is a scientific experiment. Here I have a cabinet full of time turners and some weird Here's an thing. hourglass that's a bubble, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here is a tank full of brains that I'm studying the mind with. All of these things just reek of some like experiment that's entirely for show as opposed to be anything actually but scientific. To be fair, though, it has also been established that the Department of Mysteries is like only the very special people ever work there, right? Like the very... Yeah, yeah but we've discussed... What about the ministry makes you think that these special people are in any way qualified? This is true. This we is have, true. We, and we also discussed in the last episode that the death chamber, mm. that was clearly used for execution before execution was outlawed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they've shoved it in the department. What does that tell you about the department but of mysteries? What I find really interesting, though, is that she does more kind of world building in these two chapters with regard to all of this mental stuff yeah. she just throws in as she does in like the whole first book yeah, yeah there's yeah, so yeah. much here that she could feed from for various yeah. spin-offs and it's very clever sequels and prequels and all sorts and then it's just never touched again yeah it's, and it's so, so interesting cool. i will say this is one of the bits that you you're just like my god your mind like i do not mm. understand how any one person can like because this is the thing people criticize harry potter and they absolutely can they can criticize yeah, it in course. terms of like her fucking being a dodgy piece of shit yes. they can even criticize it in terms of the fact that she's not great at writing romances or she's even not really that great at like dialogue there are so mm. many flaws in her writing absolutely and i will always welcome those criticisms but what i genuinely think that she does better than most other authors is this absolutely incredible world building and yeah. it's mind-blowing that for these and the sake of these two chapters mm. accessibility in the world building, for the sake of these really two important. chapters she has built out out so much and not even felt the need to be like and this is what that was it's just yeah. these throwaway things where you can tell that the intention was there and yeah. you can kind of work it out or come up with your own theories and i just think that it's absolutely beautifully done but i just cannot fathom how someone that has this brain so fucking incredible to yeah. work mm. out and envision all of these absolutely mind-blowing pieces of magic is just like huh gender well that's binary it's it's, it's just... really it's so frustrating because like you cannot it it really frustrates me sometimes on twitter and like other discourse places when i see people being like oh, or just mind you don't dox her no when i see Careful. people being like oh well i knew harry potter was badly written all along <laughs> like fuck off oh don't be that person who's like oh i knew it was bad all all along a no you didn't b mm. yeah like, obviously that's fine but also this was written in like the 90s early 2000s yeah. and like yeah. however shitty jk rowling is it will go down in history like alice of one alice in wonderland please don't try to pretend that mm. it's some sort of farce it isn't it's like, a great book it's an incredible piece of literature that mm. changed the course of literally YA history. Changed like, the course of literature. It changed did. Changed a generation. Changed a yeah. generation. Please don't try to be one of these people that's like, oh, I She also, I'm shitty. sorry, she weaponized a generation against herself. Yeah. <laughs> Please Lol. don't try to be this shitty person that's like, oh, I know it was bad all along. A, that pisses me off. Mm. But then, yeah, it really frustrates me that this person is clearly, like, like let's not pretend that J.K. Rowling isn't extremely intelligent. She is mm. highly 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 intelligent which is what makes her so dangerous and what makes our voices so important exactly mm. because like how can she be this intelligent and not understand what she's doing wrong that's what's dangerous she's just like oh time is this you know flexible thing that can completely be in flux and changeable gender that that's that's, that's set binary that's no set binary. binary i just wrong just blew up pluto and, and, like <laughs> gender's binary though <laughs> but like and i'm just sorry have you seen uranus but there's no the only the chromosomes only I, the chromosomes but this 
this is and as well this is what i find so scary is that i genuinely believe in this is not please don't anyone interpret this me interpret this as me excusing it but i genuinely th- think that jk has been indoctrinated and brainwashed in yes. the way that many yeah. people are oh, by yeah. like right wing and there are so many studies that you can look into we've all seen about... people who've had this happen to them yeah, yeah and also there are so many studies actually on algorithms and how like even people have done studies like scientific studies especially on tiktok about how um liking um sexist content on tiktok mm. will get you into a full-on right wing I, I, I read hole. i read a study about how if you watch one video not on full-on right-wing craziness but just on like what are the right-wing party voting for within seven videos mm. you yep. were in full-on conspiracy theory yep. no climate change yeah there was a study where someone only interacted they literally signed up for tiktok and sat there and they only interacted with sexist content and within two hours worth of scrolling they were fully on to batshit crazy right wing and and obviously that is subjective but i don't even mean in subjective terms i mean in like fully insane right wing conspiracy theory tiktok within two hours of scrolling yeah and that's not that happens within a week that's not as if someone sat there for two hours you think you do like a few minutes a day yeah that happens within a week all joanne wanted to do was watch i pretended to kiss my stepsister prank gone wrong gone sexual <laughs> and within and a couple of hours, she was suddenly on, you know. Are. Yeah. But, like, yeah. genuinely, like, she, <laughs> she just absolutely loves she has been brainwashed no, by the mum's net of the internet. Yeah. And she absolutely has. And we've seen it happen over time. It's gotten more and more severe. And this is not me at all defending her, but, like, it just, it just fucking, it, it's terrifying when you have someone this intelligent that has written a book series so left wing that it has defined the politics of an entire generation and even she has allowed herself to get brainwashed and you're just like it literally can happen to anyone it's fucking terrifying it's shocking like it's shocking and that's what pisses me off about like the binary view that i always knew jake running was this all no, along and like no you f- a, no, yeah. you fucking didn't and b it's like don't pretend she's not intelligent it really it really irritates me when people boil her down to being being not intelligent yes the clues of her being transphobic were in her text all along this podcast will prove that like yeah. yes. if, if, if you guys don't think we believe that then listen yeah. to any but episode it's, it's also it's but about, that like, doesn't mean that like and she isn't a highly intelligent educated yeah. woman mm. And it's mm. also about like the information and the conversation that happens at the time. Like I cannot stress enough when I grew up, my mum genuinely said to me that she would not date a bisexual person because she thought that they were all like slutty and diseased and unfaithful. And that genuinely like having grown up in the 80s was yeah. her perception. Yeah. And now I thought she- thought you meant you for a second. I was like, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> Charlie grew up in the 80s. Charlie's actually yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 Clearly. years older than No, us. my no mum. And, and now that she has two bisexual daughters and now she's at point where my sister housemate is non-binary and my mum will refer to them as they them mm-hmm. and she will correct my dad when my dad split slips up and my god sister is dating someone non-binary or was i can't remember and like her mum will accidentally like misgender them and my mum will be no 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 they them and yeah. it, and it's just like my mum has gone from like being biphobic to actually being like 
oh, okay, no, I, I was wrong in my perception and now, you know, mm. blah, blah. If my mum had written a book in the 90s or early 2000s, it would would have been incredibly problematic. Yeah, but nowadays yeah. she has opened her mind and learned. And also times change times fast. Change and exactly. Change. exactly. I can see a point where any of us could accidentally be behind on something like this. Oh, no, absolutely. It, it if you listen me. to yeah. this podcast in 10 years, I'm sure that this will be the least PC thing in the world. Yeah. I, I part of me hated listening to that first episode because I said, Nick, I don't hate JK Rowling. Yeah. We recorded it three and a half years yeah. ago and times fucking change and that's not my fucking fault. I think the thing that's really interesting to me is people always say like, if aliens come to Earth tomorrow mm. and people started to get in romantic relationships and breed with them, is probably you and I would be like, don't do that. That's fucked up. Don't do that. But give it 20 years, we will be seen as the bigots. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Like It's about admitting you were wrong. Yeah. And knowing that the times are going to change around exactly. you. And if tomorrow JK Rowling turned around and be and was like, I've had shitty opinions. No, I wouldn't forgive her straight away. It would take a long fucking time. It would take time. many actions. But if she, took, yes. if she spent 20 years going back on her opinions, giving money to trans charities and doing good work in she 20... She could still save it. In 20 years, I would forgive her. Yeah. She could in save 20 it. Years, what, I I would, would, what I would give to have a weekend with her... It's going to sound weird. But her chained up in a room just to have a conversation. Her chained up and gacked. Just to be like, bitch, listen. Yeah, but yeah, if she, for the next 20 years, admitted she was wrong, gave money to charities, Mm. in 20 years I would forgive her. Because what's shocking is she's so transparently not listening to any opinion other than her own. She does not care. And this is why I think that she's fully brainwashed. And I do not mean that. That's not me excusing it. No. This is absolutely me condemning it. But it's just like, as much as I think that her, like prior opinions shone through in harry potter that's not always enough to condemn someone obviously it's now kind of come through full circle and we're like yeah she was a piece of shit but i'm just like she's been brainwashed it's like it the 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 seeds were there Mm. they've now been watered by extremists but for me the the saddest thing is is she's a live legacy at the minute yeah and she is in real time ruining the legacy of her books in like we can we can watch her doing it yeah. And it is sad. It's normally like the author or writer or, you know, whatever, something dies and then like 20 years later you find yeah. out they were not. Yeah. But exactly, if, if we found out today that J.R.R. Tolkien had done something horrendous. Probably it's, But it's Like, it, it's, it, it wouldn't be the same because he's long dead. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, well, the books have become something above him and beyond him. So yeah, yeah we're going to admit Dahl he's not a, a nice good example. person. There's a mm. lot of question marks above Roald Dahl as a person these days. Yeah. Because clearly he wasn't up to, you know, snuff in modern... But yeah, he's time. dead now. He's so very dead. Yeah. But this work. is he's also just dead. like a historical thing of like, you know, cis white straight men only being the ones to get the spotlight of like, yeah. I'm sorry, but cis white straight men are the worst. Yeah. Like, so there are so many of these people that got this spotlight and they were famous in history, but actually they were the fucking worst because all of these people of that calibre are. I'm sorry to any cis white straight men that are listening to this, but I fucking hate you. But like, um, <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't produce good art. It just means exactly. you should give your space it, and voice to other people. Exactly. Exactly. My you boyfriend keeps still... saying that he wants to start a podcast and I'm like, sweetie, don't. No. And he's he not even straight. He can. <laughs> he, he can. It's just... If you get a big platform, and this is a message to us too as well. Sorry, I'm picking off my hey, nail polish I'm at the same time. Hey, I'm bi and like, um, what's the word? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't uh, know where you're going Neurodivergent. There we go. But like... But I'm still white and cis, I'm like, aware. Just like, if you get a big platform, give it... Like, 
use that to a elevate, r- elevate and raise the voices of other people yeah. which it's if anything elevate. i will say we have not done enough but that's something no, it, that we're very conscious of but it doesn't but at mean least you're it conscious does, of it that's it doesn't whole, mean you that know. you shouldn't have a platform white cis straight men just like be <laughs> conscious agree, of it disagree <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's all about elevation it is if you're in a position like that and you're aware of the fact that you should be elevating people. Elevate people. Elevate then. people. Do yeah. it. It's then. so easy. Yeah. Absolutely. Just like absolutely. we've done a bit, we probably haven't done enough. Stop spilling but, a lemonade from my floor. But, but even if you elevate a little bit, even if it's the odd retweet, the odd shout out, the odd this, yeah. the odd that. Yeah, we need to it's do something. More, like, it's something. Yeah. yeah. We do yeah. a bit of it. I do not think we do enough. I don't but to be fair, I don't think we ever could do enough. No but, one could Well, it, it depends what standard you hold yourself to, you know? Yeah. Like if you hold yourself to this perfect standard, which a lot of people seem to these days, like you, you, these days, there is no these days, there, there's no yeah. perfect yeah. standard and you're never going to be good enough. Yeah. Anyway, just do this is, something. This is coming dangerously close to a conversation of three white people just wanking themselves off. So like, yes, it is, so it? It is. And on that note, we're going to have to split this episode in two. I'm so sorry. And it's not from my perspective. It's from <laughs> the listener's perspective. It's not from my perspective. It's from the listener's perspective. <laughs> they love the extra long episodes. No, we are 1.44 and I am one page into my six pages. How have you got six pages of notes? Oh no, you, you poor people, you're going to get more episodes of Neil. Oh no, you had to listen <laughs> oh, to no. 20 minutes of Neil talking about his life in Leamington and then 20 <laughs> minutes of him ranting about JKR wow. with only 30 minutes of Harry Potter talk in between. You poor, poor listeners. We're that was this more epi- than 30 minutes. We're splitting Drop this episode follow. into two. See you there. We're Splitting this episode into two. Okay. Bye, lads. Love you See guys. Ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons Samantha, Ronan, Nicholas. Lewis, Layla, Catherine, Hannah, Emily, and Alexia. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.